0: Hello, you beautiful movers and shakers and visionary makers. I'm Sky Sheridan, and we're here again with another episode of Under One Sky, where we see solutions, hear humanity, and feel the future. We're having live discussions that build better communities. So today we're very excited to have a Mother's Day edition. And guess who's going to be on the show today? My mom, (laughs) along with our co-hosts, Beth Solberg and Rachel Wu, who are both mothers of three. So we're going to be talking a lot about the matriarchy today, of course, and origins of life and the miracle of life and motherhood and um, all those good things. So it's going to be really fun to hear from Michelle Heath, who is my adopted mother I was adopted uh, and uh, into this wonderful family, and we're going to hear a lot about that story and the origins of that, and also Michelle is uh, has her own blog where she's talking about uh, health and healing and a way through, and uh, she's also writing a book right now, so we're really excited to feature Michelle, my mother, and the mothers Beth and Rachel. So without much further ado, let's jump right in. Well, Mom, welcome to the show. Well, happy Mother's Day. How was your you, mom's bye. day, How's your mom's day going?
1: Um, It's really, really been um, busy. So there's like probably 20 people downstairs.
0: Well, I hope you're getting through, I know what can be very chaotic family time and that you're feeling some love for being the incredible and awesome mom that you are. You've made such a difference in my life, Michelle, and um, having adopted me and, and swept me off my... Out my path of craziness so I'm um, so thankful for you and um, this whole show is about you today mom and also it's going to be about Rachel and Beth because they have three kids like you do and so we're going to be discussing
2: <laughs> kind of a crazy uh, we'll be discussing the
0: matriarchy <laughs> right? today which will be fun and um, I hope I don't have to like I won't be mansplaining too much so I'm going to try to take a back seat on this podcast today and also we're broadcasting live for the first time on Instagram so we have some people joining us here they're just going to watch the behind the scenes and they'll be able to hear Hear the whole um, organic process of what happens on this show. Rachel's going to read us uh, a beautiful poem about Mother Earth because the biggest mother of all, of course, is the earth that sustains and supplies and supports us. Rachel is our pod priestess, by the way.
1: <laughs>
3: The pod priestess, awesome. the most organic uh, pod. What, what would that be like pod title that to ever to ever come to creation, I guess. So this is actually a poem that was written by a poet by the name of Mark Nepo. He's actually been featured on Oprah and so forth. Um, but I love that it is all about our mutual mother. And so this is Earth Prayer. Oh, endless creator force of life, seat of the unconscious, Dharma, Atman, Ra, Kalb, dear center of our love, Christ Light, Yahweh, Allah, Mawu, mother of the universe. Let us, when swimming with the stream, become the stream. Let us, when moving with the music, become the music. Let us, when rocking the wounded, become the suffering. Let us live deep enough till there is only one direction, And slow enough till there is only the beginning of time. And loud enough in our hearts till there is no need to speak. Let us live for the grace beneath all we want. Let us see it in everything and everyone. Till we admit to the mystery that when I look deep enough into you, I find me. And when you dare to hear my fear in the recess of your heart, you recognize it as your secret, which you thought no one else knew but let us embrace that unexpected moment of unity as the atom of god let us have the courage to hold each other when we break and worship what unfolds O nameless spirit that is not done with us let us love without a net beyond the fear of death until the speck of peace we guard so well becomes the world
0: Rachel, definitely, she's always holding space in the beginning of our um, podcast to elevate this conversation and make sure that reaches the right ears and the right hearts and that it's felt. So, I really uh, thank you for that, Rachel, for holding space for Mother Earth today on Mother's Day. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. So um, we have a Discord channel, and that's where we have conversations because we don't want to be on Facebook anymore. (laughs) And uh, so we have a special Discord uh, group where we discuss these topics. We have several topics like elevating narratives, which um, this podcast will go into, um, evolving consciousness, which I believe also this podcast will go into because we're going to talk about the matriarchy. And um, so we invite all of you guys to go on Discord and have a conversation with us. So, first question from Discord is, what was your favorite toy as a child, Mom?
1: I'm pretty sure it was my record player. Um, when I was quite small, my uh, dad and mom, I was the first born of four, and they bought me a record player and a lot of records, like record albums. I mean, oh my gosh, I just played that thing constantly. And then it translated, transferred as I grew up to, you know, all the different ways and forms of listening to music. And I just think music is just the best thing in the world. And I don't know how my life would have been without that record player.
4: Do
0: you you have like a favorite record, Mom, that you played just like endlessly till you broke it or just do you worn it out?
1: As a kid, I didn't. And then later when there were films, we loved like the soundtrack to The Sound of Music or the soundtrack to Mary Poppins or, you know, that type of thing. So oh, that's, yes. that was
0: my favorite thing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's amazing.
3: We're all ready to break into like yes. chimney right now. <laughs>
2: <We> <laughs> right there, just Julie Andrews is inside of me. It just was about to
0: be hijacked by like a sound of music play. Like that's what we're, right? we're all going to bust out. <laughs> like perfect unison.
3: Yes. So Michelle, I'd love to know uh, what your star sign is. Oh, um, my star sign, sun sign is Libra. Yeah. So balance big heap <laughs> big heap. do you find
1: that that's that rings true for you yeah you know what I've always told all my kids um, and what I believe myself is astrology is super fun and a lot of things are true but don't ever give up your power to some other form of defining your personality. Uh, if it says a Libra is balanced and I'm not feeling that ba- balanced, then I won't be balanced. You know, it's like, <laughs> and my husband always teases because he's an Aquarius and he always says, Libras are never balanced. It's the scales. They're always going. They're <laughs> so seeking I, I, balance. <laughs> yeah, balance. seeking. Exactly. Based, uh, <laughs> emphasis on the seeking. Make sure you don't give up your power to some other, something outside of yourself
0: mom Absolutely. we were like i'm so your son because on every uh episode that we talk about the star sign and people have different various reactions obviously like some people are like i don't care about that or i don't know about it or they're really into oh. it like i know everything about it and i always say like the stars incline they don't compel right like at the end of the day we have uh the stars have influence on us but they don't have any power over us we we are the power obviously right so thank you for echoing who I am and teaching <laughs> who I am and, and being like my, my copy, my real life mom, son, copy. I love that. So
2: speaking of power and having power, Michelle, I would love to know what one of your, what you would consider your superpower. Like what is something about you that is okay. just magical and wonderful? I know right and, away.
1: Oh, I good. Right oh. Away. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. I have a kind of, I think of it as a gift that I see people's higher selves. So like when I meet someone, I often don't really see the parts that aren't great. Um, it's not like I'm like, I'm ignorant of it, but it's like, Mm -hmm. I just see the higher person inside. And so that I've noticed that when I'm with people, um, I tend to bring out that person. (laughs) That is so accurate.
2: I mean, I, I feel like I've been on the receiving end of that. You know, I'm obviously I'm so aware of all my shortcomings, but I don't feel that with you. I don't feel like you're Yeah. I feel That's a lot of possibility cool, yeah. when I'm with you. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well then we're gonna go right in the last question. Uh what is your hobby <laughs> or creative outlet, which I think is gonna tie into what we're gonna be talking about, your <laughs> the thing you're doing right now that you love so much. So yeah, tell us what you do that brings you joy.
1: I do so many things that bring me joy. One of the main things I love is being physical, like going skiing or for a really long hike or something like that. Also to balance that with other things. So like, I love to be like creating by writing, which yes, is one of my main things I'm doing right now. I consider it my work. Um, So I don't know if it's exactly a hobby, but it it is definitely something that I'm doing a lot of right now and, um, through the blog, through the book, but I couldn't write if I couldn't also be physical. So I have to say that you have to get out and move, you know, whether it, whatever it is. And then, then I kind of feel like I can go internal and do my writing
0: it's like the best answer ever you're like i can't choose what same with the superpower you're like i have a lot of superpowers i'm a mom for heaven's sakes i mean <laughs> my goodness i can juggle babies a job a husband and my community all at once what are you doing this morning well
2: and that you're able to find joy and all the things that you do i mean there are some things that we all have to do because we're human beings like we have to wash the dishes or whatever you yeah. have to earn some money you know but yeah. we can still it can be a joyful experience it's all about our perspective
3: yeah, right before we hopped on the pod, I was telling Sky, I said, Yeah, I just said I'm sorry, it took me a second. I was throwing in a load of laundry because, you know, it's Mother's Day. Why not?
0: And speaking of Mother's Day, today we are going to talk a little bit about the matriarchy, mom, which I mm-hmm. think you have obviously some some idea about. And for those of the those of you who don't know the matriarchy is, the matriarchy is like uh when women basically rule a society or are in charge of the power structures. But I'm gonna play you just a really quick clip right now from
4: Russell Means. It's called intuition. That's what he calls it. I call it sacred knowledge. This ability to see things clearly. This ability to feel. And think of the woman, how she goes from a child into a woman who is naturally purified. And she goes through this life rearing children, teaching men how to nurture and be in balance, and then reaches the change of life, and where she becomes the elder that lives longer than men and has this full woman power. Until you know a woman, you'll never know life.
1: But the privilege of being in a in a whole um, region of northern India that was a matriarchal society up until the 1970s. Okay. And there's a lot of leftover matriarchal situations, like the women run the households, the women run the businesses, the women run everything, and it's... Very, very different to be with the families there. Now, it's not just the matriarchy, but it's also that that culture didn't have the use of money until the 1970s as well. They didn't have nobody was poor. Nobody was rich. It was a very tribal type society, but it was a matriarchal one. And what I noticed there that's different than in in other countries is that the women are just proactive in everything. It's like, it's not, there's nothing to overcome. And even though it's not a matriarchal society per se now, um, it's also very, uh, lots and lots of Tibetan refugees are there, but it's like amazing to walk down a street and to see that it's like a shift of um, awareness that women are just empowered
0: Thank you for sharing that, Michelle. That's beautiful. What a great take.
1: But I think when it
2: comes to men speaking about women or matriarchy, um, <clears throat> and I didn't feel this from the chief that, that you shared, Scott, no. but sometimes it can feel um, a little bit like, I don't feel like that chief intended to, but it can feel like they're talking down or they're trying to maintain their, their own sort of social position, Right, as someone who's knowledgeable, and I know all about the women. I'll tell you all about how great women are. You know, it's like I appreciate the the kind thoughts, and I appreciate the support. But I also like to hear from other women who've walked that road. Michelle, I know a little bit about your background, and Mm -hmm. um, you know you shared a little bit of it today. Um, We like to ask all of our guests, what are some of the struggles that you have experienced that have now become strengths?
1: I was raised in a, um, in a wealthy suburb of Chicago and had a family um, with plenty of money and all the opportunities available uh, that that can afford. And um, I ended up leaving when I was very young um, because I didn't ever, I loved my family always, but I never liked the area and the place where I grew up. So um, I did... Graduate from high school super when I was 16, and I moved away. And I had the blessing of my parents at that time, but I met um, my husband when I was 17. And, you know, immediately we were, we've been married ever since. And now I'm 65. The struggle at the time was incredibly painful for me because I really had to leave my family in order to go live the life that I knew I was, that was right for me. And then when I had my own kids and later even with Sky, uh, because of that struggle, it became a strength because I learned to do it differently. And I learned to raise my kids uh, with full communication and also um, unconditional love and full acceptance and not to require them to do certain things in order for them to remain part of the family unit. The other example that comes to my mind is really, um, my husband, when I was 47 years old, my husband got Parkinson's disease. It was a big struggle for a while because we just didn't know what to do and how to approach it. And, you know, we learned by trial and error. I would say that we've turned that into a strength as well because um, we ended up, have, we used all different methods. And of course, that's what my book is about. But we wanted like every natural method we could find because um, the big thing that I say in my, in our story, the treatments for Parkinson's disease that are the drugs and the surgery often really compromise Andy the man, like they hurt the man, they help the disease. And then the natural treatments that we found, which are everything from Ayurveda to acupuncture, to counseling, to John of God, to like everything. Um, it, then those really don't, didn't really touch the disease, to be honest, we we hoped they would. But they completely strengthened Andy the man. If we had only gone the conventional route of medicine, I have high doubts that he would be intact as a human being. Yeah, but it,
2: it really takes both sides of medicine sometimes to really come yeah. to a place of healing in the end. You know, right. It takes a little bit of both. I was going right, to say, you just sure. do any,
0: anything you possibly can do, right? Like whatever's available to you, you try the whole spectrum until something works. Mm-hmm. And you did find something that works, right, Michelle? I mean, we found something that works as a family, but mostly like, uh, through, through the Veterans Association and organization. Um, maybe you can talk a little bit about that, Mom.
1: Again, this is outlined in a lot more detail in my book, but I will say that, um, that the surgery was life-changing, and Andy suffered for seven years in a way that was that's inconceivable to most people. People can hear it, and I will say it, but he couldn't bring up he couldn't feed himself at all. He couldn't bring a food to his mouth. He was shaking so hard. He couldn't get up out of a chair. He couldn't roll over in bed. He couldn't really do anything. And so um, our family had to step up and help him. And I had to care for him and work and try to support our family.
0: He's a cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> he's
1: a cyborg now. Yes. He has electrodes a... in his brain and, <laughs> yes. and it's not a cure, but it de- dealt with the worst of the symptoms. Um, it, yeah. He, he so, stopped
0: shaking, which was great, right? And That's he
1: stopped tough. shaking and Sky yeah. was there. Remember, yep. we were all there at you the were surgery, all there for surgery. Yep. after the surgery. And Sky, you've been such an important part of our family. Um I will say that that's a really interesting piece as well. It was one of those things that was so organic and intuitive and kind of just felt it felt like, Sky, it felt like you were part of our family before we actually legally adopted you. Um, you know, it just you felt like you were just part of
0: our Team, our group. I was going to ask you, like, uh, whose whose birth was easier, Brendan Alana's or mine? But I
4: think <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right. I,
0: think I know the answer <laughs> to that question. I was the easiest birth, but maybe not
1: because Carol did so. that one for me. That's right. <laughs> Cheryl,
0: yes. Oh my goodness! Thank you for saying her name. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I uh, some of the listeners won't know this, but um, yeah, my just to pay homage to the original mama in this conversation, uh, yeah, Chanel, who was uh, the one who gave birth to me and, and brought me into this world, and then passed the baton over to Michelle Heath, who um, <laughs> caught yep. me, caught me from the clouds and uh, yep. carried me through as you know as I am today. So thank you for that. I really do um, appreciate that. Gosh, I'm getting all emotional on the show all of a sudden. Who knew?
1: Yeah, well, you know, one of the things getting to know Skye is we got to know a lot about his mom and his grandmother. um, And, of course, Beth, because she knew them. And and there was a point when you're going to adopt somebody, you know, who's grown, you kind of think about the family that he had before. And even when they're and even when they've passed on to the spirit world. And so it was a really interesting time that I had in kind of communicating in my own little psychic way with Cheryl, particularly. And there was a real feeling of, no, this is the right this is the right thing to do. It's okay.
0: You know, as you remember from my original birth certificate, it said unknown and the father's place, right? My father was unknown when I, when I had this uh, birth certificate given to me at birth, but my mom was there. So that was, it was like, I gained a dad and a new mom. And, you know, and Cheryl, I'm sure was like, yes, that's awesome. Now we have (laughs) like, you know, two moms and a dad finally, you know? So thank, thank goodness (laughs) for that. Rachel, Beth, I was going to ask you guys, too, because you're both moms, to kind of dive in here and have a little dialogue about um, if you want to start with your your children's journey, how that worked out, what your births were like, what that's done for you, or if you want to start with how your mom it's either, or you go to whether that being a mom or how your moms were.
3: I'm actually laughing because immediately the first thing I think of is one of the cards that the kids gave me this morning. And, you know, they do, there's six, eight and 14 right now. Um, and they're all boys. So my house is like the WWE all the time. <laughs> and, but they're so sweet. They're so sweet. And they wrote little notes inside the card. And one of the notes, in the card, and this cracks me up, is love you and thanks for having the best children. <laughs> obviously, they know what's going on. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, the the fact that they feel that they're the best children, I kind of do feel like I'm doing something right. Uh, <laughs> but it actually goes back to something Michelle brought up earlier and how she chose to raise all of you in An unconditional environment, Um, because myself, I grew up in what I feel was a a very conditional environment where I was always chasing accomplishments, or you know the you know the grades or certificates and awards and recognition in general to be good enough. Um, And a lot of that carries over from a traditional upbringing. And in time, as an adult, I learned to understand and meet my parents where they were. Um, and understand the intention rather than the feeling uh, that, that I experienced as a child. And so very consciously after becoming a parent, it was always, always very important to me to communicate fully, um, similarly to what Michelle was talking about, to let them express themselves, to allow for understanding both from them and from me so that, you know, because I'm still human and I get upset, uh, especially if they do things that are inconsiderate or, you know, whatever it may be um, that stirs up less than positive feeling, you know, a lot of times as children, not knowing, like, what did I do wrong or what's wrong with me when really nothing, but that was the impression that I was left with. So I think I would say that is probably, just moving into motherhood the one takeaway from my own upbringing that has been really important to me.
2: So as a child I have to say first of all I started out in my parents basement listening to my mom's record collection on a record player just like Michelle. It's how it's how I learned to uh, sing harmonies you know because with the Beach Boys or whatever (laughs) and it was all her music it was nothing contemporary you know it was like the best of the 60s. Um, So that was great that I The home I grew up in, um, first of all, you know, my mom almost died having me. She had um, toxemia, and so I was born three weeks early, and um, I was just a little peanut, and um, I had to be born by C-section. She was in the hospital with me three weeks before I was born, you know, just resting and being monitored and whatever. So I always feel like it was a really great blessing that she was willing to really... I mean, people say this, but really kind of walked through the valley, you know, to get there with me. Um, and I grew up feeling like there were expectations. I have one sister. <clears throat> there were always expectations on us. And sometimes they were, they were kind of high. You know, we were expected to do well in school. We were expected to be um, kind people and generous and unselfish. Um, but it wasn't connected to love. It wasn't like my performance was going to equal how much I was loved. I actually always felt a lot of love, even in the times when I disappointed, quote-unquote, felt like I disappointed, I should say, um, you know, my mom especially. It wasn't, I don't think she was really disappointed because she was um, unhappy necessarily with me, but just she, she wants me to be the happiest. And so maybe in that moment, you know, she thought, oh, because Beth isn't walking this road, she won't be the happiest she could be but of course she doesn't she's not omniscient she doesn't know everything either and um no and that's the hard part sometimes she was wrong you know yeah Yeah.
0: it's like that's the hard Um, part is you don't know when to like if you're letting your mother down or and if you're letting mm -hmm. your mother down like if it's the right kind of letting your mother down right Right. is it like is it denying my own being and and letting this person down and following my own will or is it actually like letting my mother down because she has what's best for me in her heart. And I should actually mm-hmm. listen to her and not touch the stove and burn my freaking right. hand off. So she has to right. drop everything and rush me to the hospital, right?
2: The way that that translates into the way that I mother my parents and, or my kids, <clears throat> I'm not mothering my parents yet. So that's good. <laughs> um,
4: yeah.
2: I, you know, the same thing I have, I would say maybe instead of expectations, I have hopes for them, but it's like, I want them to be happy. I want them to feel joy in their lives. I want them to be to have self determination and to choose the things that they feel like are right. The hard part is, and I, I'm just getting to this point because Helena turns 18 in a few days and she goes to college in the fall. So, what I worry about is that they'll make decisions that don't bring them happiness and don't bring them the joy that I want. But I hope that my hopes for them, I don't think that my hopes for them are connected to love. I, they always know I love them, they always feel that unconditionally.
0: I'd have to say, as the man in the group, the only boy here, um, that, that cannot have children and has no authority to speak about motherhood. But I would say that observing all three of you, you you all have such unconditional love. And it seems like your parenting style's all pretty much the same, which is like protect the child, make sure they reach adulthood, and get out of the way, like and let them do the best that they can do, right? I mean, you guys can speak about that. Michelle, I'll let you go first. What's your what's your parenting style?
1: Okay, I would actually not agree with what you just said exactly.
0: <laughs> You're a Libra; you, know you don't have to. I can I be a little
1: contrary. Okay. You can go
0: ahead and give me okay. the other the, de- the devil's okay. advocate and give me the other side. It's fine.
1: <laughs> it is definitely like protect them when they're small, of course. But then what what I found is my parenting style is more as they get older. Instead of let them go, it's collaborate. Um, yeah. For me I really enjoy being part of my kids lives always and forever and I love being on this podcast cuz you're doing it yeah. sky yeah. And I we're doing love it. we're all doing it. Together. I want to be always in my kids' lives in every way, but it's not me being the leader, it's us being a team and working together.
0: That's a really powerful contrary position to take actually. <laughs> you <know? laughs> You're like I want to collaborate and co-create with my children, like I'm not just going to abandon right. them to the world, but also you know, the one thing I see sometimes a lot of mothers doing is not maybe moving on but yeah you're pursuing your own your own life as well what you didn't get to do maybe so much of when you were raising us right and so i think in my own opinion i would say like it would be also very healthy for a mother to move on and explore her own things
2: i'm in a place right now where i still feel like i'm in the mix with my kids but i'm definitely planning looking ahead to a time when i'm when i'm able to um have more of my own goals and have the time to fulfill them. Like, I'm, I'm not upset that I have to do that for my children now. And it's not like I don't do anything for myself, you know, but um, I'm happy to do that now because I want to provide the support that they need. But I'm looking forward to the time when they're adults and they're doing all of their things and I have the freedom to do my thing, but we can still have the really close uh, relationship. Like, we don't have to lose the relationship just because they maybe don't live in my house anymore.
1: I can tell you that... Um, I'm, it really is a lifetime, a family is a lifetime of collaboration, and so tomorrow I leave to fly to Spain to walk the Camino de Santiago de Compostela, and so my son, you know, who lived in Spain for a while, my other son, Brendan, he put together a first aid kit for me, totally without my, just put it together because he's really good at that kind of thing. And he brought it when he came to his grandfather's memorial service here. And, you know, and my daughter, they're, they're all, it's always, they're always adding to my experiences. I think
3: it's, you know, kind of what we're saying. It's, it's, it's an evolution right? It doesn't have to be a beginning and an end, but rather just a change and evolution. And I love the imagery of, you know, collaborating as adults rather than, you know, trying to fit into their lives or vice versa. Uh, I think that's beautiful. And it's, it's apparent too. I mean, I haven't met Alana yet, but I have met Brendan. Um, And I, I love the family unit and the synergy and that, you know, Brendan's, I think, well, he's done, I think now, but applying for a PhD, but he's also simultaneously building a first aid kit for his mom. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's amazing. And that's something that, unfortunately, I think a lot of mother-son or mother-daughter relationships lose over time, just as people get super involved in their own lives, adult lives, especially. Um, I know that was something actually growing up that freaked me out. Because I was Mm -hmm. the youngest. And so when I went to college, my mom didn't know what to do with herself um, because she had an empty nest syndrome. And she's like, now Mm -hmm. what do I do? Um, She ended up flying to another country for a while just because she didn't know what to do with herself. And I I remember asking her, I was 18, and I said, well, who were you before us? And she said, I don't know. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. And it freaked me out. And I said, that's never happening. I'm never going to let it happen. Um, And of course it happened. Like I fully lost my identity growing up. Right. What are those component pieces and parts that make me, me and what brings me joy? I want to be Michelle when I grow up, like I want everything I'm doing to bring me joy.
2: And I think I have to say this too, as you were talking, Rachel, I think what happens is not So much that we totally lose our identity and we don't know who we are, but more like we integrate it. I had this really deep thought. I'm going to diverge a little. I had this really deep thought yesterday when I was talking with Helena that I am simultaneously right now, I'm all the me's that I have been in the past. Mm -hmm. And I kind of think I'm all the me's that I'm going to be in the future. I think that's like...
3: That's a little metaphysical. But Michelle, I wanted to ask, um, I've read your blog, but I know that there's a book evolving. Um, <laughs> what, what is it about who's the intended audience? What's your intention for the messaging in the book?
1: This, the blog and the book have the same intention, which is to encourage people who are dealing with incurable disease to find a way to be able to live in the world and be happy and feel joy and be okay and feel good. Um, The blog is more little tiny, you know, pieces of wisdom or good ideas that I've experienced. And my book is called your wildest dreams, a Parkinson's love story. And the reason it's called your wildest dreams and not like my wildest dreams or somebody else's. <laughs> it's because we all have these wildest dreams. And it's always fascinating to me how our lives, at least my life, has really given me all the tools I need to deal with everything that's come my way. And I think most people do. Whatever comes into their lives, I think their lives have already given them experiences that are going to give them what they need to Uh, to meet the challenge that's coming right then.
0: Michelle, you and Andy have been pioneering health and humanity and all the things that basically Alana, Brendan and I are all doing decades before it was popular, decades before it was even feasible, decades before it was even acceptable, right? Like I think it even made you an outlier. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a great book by Malcolm Gladwell, by the way, that's called Outliers that I think describes a lot of what Michelle and Andy were. were...
2: Michelle, I love that you're willing to share your personal experience with what's happened with Andy, that you're integrating that because I, I feel like this is a really underrepresented type of it's not exactly a self-help book but it's you don't see very many books that are written by the spouse of a person who is diagnosed with a an incurable okay. illness and where do you start with that and what do you do I mean if if Dan was diagnosed today with parkinsons or ms or something I wouldn't know where to begin I would just right. be really scared I'd be scared yeah. and anxious basically for probably weeks and then I'd try to figure out some kind of action plan you know but um <laughs> but the fact that you've you come call out, Michelle, yeah, call Michelle, <laughs> Michelle, nine one one. That's, That's the, the, best person, the best
0: person. Best person. That's advice to
2: call. you
1: can give. Got my best number. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: But when? Um. So you said you're still working on it. When do you think the book will be available? And are a yes. lot of your ideas, um, you know, that you're sharing in the book, are they also available on the blog, or is that kind of a different? Um, does that have a different and message?
1: It's kind of a different. Um, it's kind of a different platform for it that the book what's what's happening right now, which is this is very exciting for me to say. So like three years ago, I sent um, I sent this book proposal into um, a publishing company called Hay House Publishers mm.
4: and, oh, yes.
1: uh, and I won third prize. So a third prize is money to self-publish and I was like well I don't want to self-publish I want someone to buy it so I was like wrote to all these agents and then I wrote and I nobody bit I was like didn't get a thing so I decided this year 2022 to accept the prize and to publish it myself I'm I'm right in the process of working with um Hay House now for it's called Balboa Press it's not really Hay House but it's like a they're connected in some form. Division. and but for anybody who doesn't um,
0: know Hay House that's listening right now, I mean Hay House is a huge publisher. They do a lot of like um Rachel Jump In. I mean, who would they do Louise. L Hay, obviously, who started Hay House? Like
3: she did all
2: the, <laughs> for the body. Wayne Dyer. Wayne Dyer. Yeah, yeah. Um
3: uh, you, they just I mean, emailed me some series from Joe Dispenza, Joe Dispenza. like they, uh, yeah.
2: Of
0: course, Agape, where I go to church in LA, mm. was one of my favorite places with um, Michael Beckwith. Is like I still listen to him daily. So yeah, those are all Hay House powerhouses.
1: Looking at the timeline, I'm guessing the end of this year, early next year, I'll have real books.
0: That's awesome. Yes. And then um, and we're going to be just, just putting like, them out there to the world, like <laughs> heal, heal, heal. Um, but we have a question actually on Instagram right now. Um, so do you have any Like tips about um, the process of writing a book? Is it hard? Do you enjoy it? Are there any tips for the people who are listening live right now on Instagram?
1: What I started doing a number of years ago is I am an early riser by nature. So if any of you aren't, you're going to go, oh. But I get up at 4.30 and I write from five till seven in the morning and then my day starts. So that's my writing time. Writing a book, to what I've experienced with this is like raising a child. Like if you knew all it was going to entail, you would never start. So, <laughs> do not think about that. <laughs> oh, that's, that's amazing. amazing. Don't okay. even go there. And just start
2: where you are. Or if you think it's something that you should do as a right. habitual shudder, you know, it's like <laughs> if you think, "Oh, I should write a book because that seems like something that I should do now."
0: Um. <laughs> So Monsieur Tis on our uh, the, the live feed here is asking a question to all three moms. What's the most important thing that you've learned or experienced as a mom that elevated you as a human being?
3: I would say Very the smallest time. things are the big things. Mm-hmm. That's the lesson. Well, the smallest quite, they
0: things out, they come out quite small. Maybe not to you guys. But you can, you can come out of your bodies, which is like a whole other conversation we could have on this channel. Um, it'll get really big, yeah. So it's true. That's very cool, Rachel. I like that. Beth,
2: I remember feeling right after, right after the kids were born, and I, you know, you hold them and you're just sort of marveling that you made this, created this person. And I remember getting a really strong impression right out, right out of the gate with Helena that this is the greatest journey i would ever go on you know in in all of my life i'm hopefully going to do some really great things i've done some good things but maybe this is the greatest journey that i'm going to experience when i'm here
0: michelle you want to get get in on that
1: um i would say that there's no such thing as quality time it doesn't exist there's just time and if you are with your kids enough, you'll have a bazillion times that are fabulous, fantastic, super duper wonderful. And if you are not with them enough and you're only trying to have like, is this is my hour, like, let's do something great. It's likely not going to work. And so time don't divide time into quality time and not quality. just, just be there. And You'll have many, many amazing experiences.
0: In your experience, what is one thing that you can leave us with that helps our listeners or the people that are on Discord um, or people who are here on Instagram with us understand how to build a better community?
1: I think that the best way to create a community is to fully become yourself and then be that fully realized self with every single person you're with. And your community will come to you. But we met you, Sky, and we were also fully ourselves, including you. And we fell madly in love with you, all of us. And it's like you've just been such a huge, important person in our family community.
0: And I just want to give a shout out to Patty, who's on our live feed right now. She's my godmother, who Michelle, I think.
1: Oh, Patty.
0: Patty's (laughs) online right now. She's been online listening to the whole thing. And um, I just want to say thank you so much. And I love you too. To Mike, to all the godmothers out there as well. There's mothers. The mother energy is so present yeah. today and I love that we're calling it in together. So thank you all for being here. And, um, yeah, like I say, uh, follow us. We'll send all the links to Michelle's book, to her blog, um, a way through, which is amazing. It comes out every week. Is that correct? Mom? Yep. Perfect. I love that. So we'll include all the links to oh, her herself. Instagram, her Facebook, and also of course, join, uh, Beth and I next week, we're going to be interviewing Vince breakthrough and transformation master and Michelle, thanks for making so much time today. And thanks for making time in my life as my mom and for carrying the banner, um, for Cheryl as well. And Rachel and Beth, thank you so much for being co-hosts on this awesome experiment, uh, together as moms, because you bring such a dimension to the conversation that I could never bring about life, about nurturing, about matriarchy. And, you know, I just try to do my best to help bring a lot of the uh, feminine mother, daughter, sister, wife presence on the show and empower that as much as I can.